This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 31st, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. It was, quite simply, the worst quarter for GDP the U.S. has seen in the modern era. Between coronavirus and the distancing and lockdowns and layoffs it inspired, GDP fell by about 10%. Jeremy Horpendahl is a professor of economics at the University of Central Arkansas. He walks us through the numbers and what they might mean for the relative speed of an economic recovery. The U.S. economy, uh, in terms of GDP, GDP fell nine and a half percent. Can you give us a, a a sense of the magnitude of that decline? Yeah, nine and a half percent in one quarter is is huge. Uh, if we look at that comparing to the Great Recession, which happened a little over a decade ago, that's more than the total decline for all the Great Recession which is a little over 8%. So we're getting that all in, in just one quarter. Um, so you can think of almost, you know, a, a tenth of economic activity being wiped out um, in, in one fell swoop. That's that's how we can contextualize that number. Um, that number is uh, smaller than what you might see in some of the, the headlines, which say 33% decline. Uh, that's that's That would be if we kept having quarters like this for the next three quarters, then the economy would shrink by that amount. But but that's so that's a number that is often reported, but not really useful right now. Okay, so in terms of uh, employment, obviously um, employment is dramatically down, and it continues. The U.S. economy continues to shed jobs. Um, what can we say about uh, about the relationship between those jobs that have been shed? and this massive decline in GDP. Right, so we're talking about the second quarter, which I think we all know is April, May, and June. Uh, But what we saw with the employment data is actually April was the worst month. And we did see some improvements, some jobs coming back in May and June as some states started to uh, reopen and take off restrictions. So, you know, what we're seeing here with this, this data, which covers all, it's supposed to cover the totality of those three months, is that, uh, while it looks really bad, we have seen some improvement, but certainly these two are very much related. You know, the fact that businesses are shut down either due to government orders or in some cases people just staying away, that both reduces economic activity and reduces the number of jobs that businesses need. So that's those two are definitely related. But, you know, if we had a quarterly or if we could break down that quarterly GDP data to monthly it's possible we would have seen some improvement in May and June, but we, we really can't slice that from this data. So with respect to uh, industries that were harmed, obviously airlines uh, was a big one. Travel in general, hotels, uh, spending on going out to restaurants and bars. How does that show up in the data? Right. So all those things, you know, food service, re- uh, restaurants, uh, airlines, hotels, those are all down. But actually, the big one this quarter and in the first quarter data we saw was healthcare spending is is way down, which we might think in a pandemic health a health crisis that wouldn't be the case. But or, or even in a general recession, you would expect right. people to spend a little more taking care of themselves as they normally would in a recession. Right, but we didn't see that you know largely because well, there's lots of healthcare economic activity going around surrounding COVID nineteen. People just aren't spending money on the other healthcare things they'd normally be spending on. So that's a big driver, 
you know, uh, it, you know, as, as far as the cumulative amount that the GDP went down, about a third of that on net, you could attribute just to healthcare spending going down. That now that's on net; it's not of the total, but um, that's so a big part of it is just that healthcare amount, you know, plus the, those other couple we mentioned. That you know, this is all stuff we kind of know from anecdotes and observing our daily life. People aren't going to restaurants, people aren't traveling, um, but it's really showing up here in the data that we just had released. All right, so. Um Given the the capital stock that uh, exists in the United States and how a lot of these jobs are service jobs, uh, a lot of the capital associated with that is still there, uh, could be reactivated at a, at a moment's notice, uh, well, short notice anyway. Uh, so how quickly uh, could we ramp up if things uh, on the COVID front improve fairly dramatically? We could see a very quick recovery. Uh, we essentially, you know, sometimes we've talked about this as kind of a war situation. We're fighting the virus, like we're fighting a war, but during a war, your capital stock and, and your labor force is often, is often destroyed. That hasn't happened here. The hotels still exist. The airplanes still exist. The hospitals are still there. The workers are just waiting to go back to work. Uh, but the only thing I would, I would say, which might impede recovery to some extent is some businesses actually have, especially small restaurants and, and things like that. They actually have had to permanently shut down because they just haven't been able to, uh, you know, have enough cash. They either haven't had access to the right loans uh, or they maybe were already on the brink anyway and just haven't survived this. So we don't know the total extent of that, of, of businesses that actually won't come back. Uh, so I think that's a caution that, you know, we can't, you know, kind of just put press pause on the economy for a few months and think nothing will happen. Um, so some businesses won't be able to come back. Uh, consumer demand might have shifted in some ways. You know, maybe people just don't want to go out to eat as much. We don't. We don't know how much there's that kind of a permanent shift in consumer demand. Um, but I would say, for the most part, you know, if the virus were to go away, or if people would just, for whatever reason, decide we can go out, even if there's some risk of getting the virus, people were to suddenly collectively decide that, um, you you could have very fast recovery. And and for most businesses, they could just they could just reopen. They'd be ready to go. It's strange that uh, a whole lot of the decline in economic activity that we've seen since late February, early March was essentially voluntary. Uh, a lot of it was driven by uh, government mandates uh, that businesses close. And then the feds pumped trillions of dollars into uh, the US economy, in a sense, paying people to stay home. I think one thing to think about in the short term is that, you know, from all this government stimulus, we're going to have massive amounts of debt, much more so than we ever imagined for, for decades to come. But uh, all that cash that's been infused into the economy and people aren't spending now, they're kind of, people are sitting on that, trying to figure out, well, what am I going to spend it on once things get started again? So the savings rate has kind of massively increased in the past few months as people have both been, uh, you know, some people, of course, have lost their jobs, but for many of us, we have the same amount of income and we're just not spending as much. For people that have lost their jobs, uh, they are in many cases getting more than 100% of their income replaced through the unemployment insurance benefits. So there's actually a lot of cash just sitting out there in people's bank accounts. I don't want to diminish some people actually are hurt and have less cash, but for the vast majority of us, uh, there, there's a lot of cash sitting around. And so this could mean if that cash is suddenly injected in the economy uh, that we could get a real takeoff. Now, there's, of course, the long run consequences of the increased debt, government debt from this. But on the personal income side, 
Uh, so far, you know, and we don't know what the second round of uh, payments to individuals and unemployment insurance exactly will look like, but it looks like there's going to be a second round. Um, that's going to be more government debt in the long run, but in the short run, lots of cash sitting in people's pockets and bank accounts. So that e- even stronger evidence, perhaps for the potential, at least for a quick recovery. Yeah, the potential. Again, it, it has to mean people, either the virus somehow magically goes away or we have a vaccine or people just aren't worried. But if you had one or, or a couple of those things happening at the same time uh, and people suddenly said, hey, time to take a vacation, you know, time to remodel the house, um, that could be just a ton of cash uh, suddenly injected and spending could go way up. Um, this is not a prediction, of course. It's just a possible scenario. But uh, all of that, there's, there's really nothing other than the virus and people's reaction to it that is kind of holding us back right now. Okay. Um, among these three alternatives, uh, what do you see as possibilities? Next quarter, the best quarter ever, the second worst quarter ever, or again, the worst quarter ever? <laughs> well, I'm always an optimist. So uh, I'm, I'm a, my, my money would be, if I was a betting man, my money would be on, this will be the, the best quarter ever, uh, the third quarter. We won't know that until late October, what the numbers actually look like about three months from now. Um, But uh, I think, you know, as we try to contextualize the data now, it's very important to contextualize that data next time is even if it's the best quarter ever, it's really just returning to kind of a flat level uh, compared to if the pandemic hadn't happened. Uh, But that would be great if we had the best quarter ever. Uh, And uh, that's, uh, you know, that data also, this is, I think, important for the political scene. That data comes out about five days before the presidential election. So we'll find out what happened in the third quarter. uh, And uh, it'll be really important to kind of interpret that data correctly on the fly as we try to, you know, figure out what's going to happen with the next presidential and other elections. Jeremy Horpendahl is a professor of economics at the University of Central Arkansas. We spoke yesterday. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.